Now don't get don't get scared and start turning off your radios, huh? I'm not advertising or trying to sell you anything. If the mouthwash you're using uh, is uh, not the right kind and it tastes sort of like sheep dip, why well, you just have to go right on using it. I can't advise any other kind. So. Welcome to Bacon, Beans, and Limousines. This is a Will Rogers Memorial Museum podcast and broadcast. Mm-mm. I'm your host, Jacob Crumwitty. Hi, guys, and I'm Bart Taylor. We are here down in the basement, episode 20. Fun. We're here to stay, and we're excited to have you down here again. This time, we're going to be talking about the crash specifically, right, Jacob? That's right. We're going to focus a little bit more on some of the personal stories, some of the people that were affected, and the stories behind the crash that a lot of people do not know. So I say sit back, relax, pop on those cowboy boots. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, guys. Oh, it's good to be here. In the basement. Yes, as usual. Um, thanks again, um, everyone that tuned in last month to our RSU broadcast. Yeah, we had a record three people listen in. <laughs> and, of course, everyone that listens to the podcast anyway, we, uh, we appreciate you listening. And we're probably friends by now, if Be- you actually are listening. Best friends. Best friends. Um, this, let me tell you about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're talking about this this month about the plane uh, and the crash itself that uh, claimed Will Rogers and Wiley Post um, in August of 1935. This is the 80th anniversary um, on August 15th of this year. Uh, 80th anniversary of the, the crash. So we wanted to explore... Uh, mm-hmm. Everything that happened, and uh, show you what uh, a few more things that uh, you may not know or may not realize about the about the crash of the plane. Right, and I think this is going to be a great episode for people to listen to later on as well. I mean, we already know that at least five or six will be listening live, so it'll be nice once the people start streaming it, and you know, this will give them a nice background. Um, you, I mean, you get some of this stuff in the museum, but some of the stuff you're exploring, I know, with your research. That's so daggum good. And my <laughs> research, um, we are going to explore, you know, some of the friends of Will Rogers, some of um, the, the way they felt when it happened, um, the way Betty found out about the tragic incident, um, maybe even some of the speculation as to what happened to the plane. Was it heavy? Or did they run out of fuel? Uh, you know, just so things like that, we're going to kind of give you a nice background. Sure. That's right. Right here. All right, guys. Well, uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's get into everything. Um, we're going to break it up into a couple different segments. So, uh, I guess, as Bart says, kick back and relax and pop on those cowboy boots. You said it pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back in it. What we're gonna what we're gonna start off with, as we mentioned, was uh, the plane itself. Uh, now, Will Rogers and Wiley Post they had a a relationship that you know wasn't necessarily that old. Um, you know, they had known each other for a couple of years, uh, both being Oklahomans, or at least having their roots in Indian Territory, uh, where they grew up. You know, it, they they were at least kindred spirits, both you know big big uh, supporters of aviation, um, and. S- they wanted to take a, uh, I say they, Wiley Post wanted to take a, a quick trip to uh, Alaska, which we'll get into in a moment. But he needed a plane 
uh, to do this trip that was appropriate for the climate. He needed something with pontoons. They didn't have F-16s back then at no. all, so <laughs> they were out of luck there. And to, uh, you know, to create a, uh, a plane that was appropriate, they needed, like I said, the pontoons. And having something like that, you know, his Wiley Post plane, the Winnie Mae, really wasn't going to be appropriate for that sort of trip. Right. And th- and what was the the Winnie Mae again? I know some of our listeners probably don't know what that was. Was that one of Wiley Post's planes? That was Wiley Post's plane. Yes, I'm okay. sorry. And it was a it was a, another Lockheed uh, uh, another Lockheed plane. Um, but what this plane that he was putting together was what we're going to go over. Okay. Um, it was actually a couple of different planes. You can't really say it was a Lockheed Orion or a Lockheed Explorer. Right, right. It was both. So it's just he buy, he bought a bunch of parts, spare parts, or this uh, from his other planes. He was trying to assemble a plane, um, something with pontoons, and you know he didn't like what options he had necessarily. He liked the Lockheed uh, uh, planes that they they had put together. So what he did actually, the fuselage or the main body of the plane, was from a Lockheed Orion Nine E Special. Okay. Um, it was about 20 feet, uh, six inches long. Um, and this, and this is actually, uh, has, a, has an interesting story. The fuselage itself, um, that Lockheed Orion body was actually originally used by TWA, okay. transcontinental and Western airways. Right. Um, before commercial aviation was really in its infancy at this point, almost, almost non-existent, but they had, uh, at, in the in the 1930s, between 1931 and 1934, they had um, a couple of these uh, different models of planes that were built, and TWA used these planes specifically as front runners of commercial aviation. Wow! But once and they they could hold like six people, very small flights. That's pretty cool because, um, and if you don't mind me just uh, interjecting here a little bit there, um, one of the articles that I've, I found, um, and I didn't even realize this, I'll share with our, our listeners, you know, all 18,000 of them right now, <laughs> eventually, that um, he was into the scientific side of flying. Um, uh, someone said that he knew more about substratosphere flights than anyone else in the world. Post? Post, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was neat. I, I, I had no clue. Um, he actually said he taught us that this was the way to realize the potentialities of the airplane and to make these eight-hour transcontinental flights, these 12-hour transatlantic flights, to assure that commercial airlines would be able to do these things. So was he pretty much the guinea pig for commercial airlines? Was he creating these routes with Will Rogers, or what was he doing? I, I don't think a lot of these routes were – I don't think he was thinking that far ahead necessarily. He's mostly just kind of mapping out uh, routes. You know, if it was going to be commercial or not, you know, that's – you know, it was more like mail routes, you know, supplies, things like that. So was that what ended up being what, the, what him, him and Will were looking for to Russia? Was that a mail route, eventually, what they were going to do? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the, like I said, the body was this Lockheed Orion 9E Special, um, originally used by TWA that they originally had to scrap most of the, the planes uh, because, you know, uh, some of the regulations were starting to go into place about pilot and co-pilot. This was obviously just a single, uh, single pilot uh, cockpit. So they ended up having to scrap most of these, and so Wiley Post got it at a pretty good deal. The problem with the Lockheed Orion uh, plane is the wings uh, weren't a solid wing. They had um, obviously the the landing gear would retract up inside the the wings after the after takeoff. Uh, so if you wanted to mount pontoons, it wasn't an, an ideal setup. So what he actually did was bought a pair of wings from a Lockheed Explorer Model Seven. 
um, which had a total wing spread of 48 feet and 6 inches. Now, was bef- you know, I'm going to interrupt you again because it's just what I do. You're good I do, at do, do, <laughs> I do a good job at it. Do, is this something that people did a lot back then, putting together planes? Because outsider's perspective, it doesn't sound like you know the safest of things, putting s- all these different parts together. I'm not going to say that people didn't do it, but I think it was at least... Because I, 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 people compiled and assembled their own planes. I, I think that was a... I mean... You've seen like uh, the Aviator, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, he was kind of, of course, that was a different different thing altogether. But you know, kind of making your own plane just based on what you need and what your needs are. That's totally what Wiley Post was doing here. He was putting together a plane based on its needs. It didn't have any TV screens. It didn't have any reclining <laughs> chairs. But I think the real problem here was it wasn't really engineered. He was just throwing things together based on what he know he needed. Right. Knew he okay. needed. So. Um, uh, these wings, for example, um, like I said, you needed fixed wing um, wings that were fixed that were solid wings so that you could mount uh, the pontoons onto them. And so that's why he used these, and that's what was there and available. Okay. Um, and he knew that he was going to be carrying a lot of extra gear in the plane. Um, he knew that, you know, a lot of this, uh, you know, for a Arctic sort of trip, a lot of extra gear, uh, things that he would pack that he wouldn't normally do. So he actually, what he did it was he got a bigger engine that was not typically uh, uh, designed okay. for those planes. Um, normally, it would be a uh, 450 horsepower Pratt and Win- Pratt and Whitney Wasp engine. Okay. This one um, he actually got on loan from Pratt and Whitney. It was a 550 horsepower, so it's a much stronger, stronger engine. So you could um, you could rent engines back then. Huh? <laughs> Since Wiley Post <laughs> was kind of a, a famous aviator, they were more than happy to give him something on loan. Right. Um, <laughs> let me throw a couple facts at you, uh, Bart, uh, about gas consumption. Um, originally, uh, like I said, um, the 450 horsepower engine, uh, the 550 horsepower engine that I was talking about would consume 68 gallons per hour of gasoline ah, okay. during takeoff. Okay. 68 gallons per hour. Uh, 43 gallons per hour during the plane's ascent as it's, you know, climbing altitude and 32 gallons per hour while cruising. See, that's that's interesting when you bring up that because, you know, I told you I was going to talk about the speculation and I'll get into that of, yeah. of why the actual, you know, airplane crashed. Right. And um, what's, what's his name? Noel Ween, the dean of Alaska Flyers, wrote um, actually was interviewed. Um, he said uh, of post, uh, you know, the plane, Although Post filled up the tanks in Harding Lake near Fairbanks, Alaska, before taking off on the fatal hop to Point Barrow, I think he must have emptied one of the tanks before he realized it, you know, while he was flying and failed to switch over to the tanks. Now, that's so part of speculation, but you would think, yeah. you know, what you said with the gas there. There's a lot of speculation, and we'll get to that once we get into the crash. Right. Um, let me wrap up here real quick uh, with at least the plane. You know, what he, what he was... Um, what he was flying, people say, again, we'll get this into this during the crash section, but um, he had about 700 extra pounds of gear. A lot of it he carried kind of towards the front of the, of the plane, and so it was a little bit nose-heavy, especially with a larger, right. larger engine uh, that was there. Um, but I don't know how much that contributed, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, I'll wrap up by saying this. Uh, Brian Sterling, who was an author that wrote a lot about Will Rogers and Wiley Post specifically, he said something that I think kind of sums it up well. He said the plane that they had uh, was a plane that was not redesigned. It was a plane that had never been designed. The parts that Post had used um, 
what he had found was first class, but they didn't belong together. Right. It was just kind of cobbled the Lockheed together. Mutt. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's a that's kind of a little bit of background about the plane. Okay. Um, you know, let's uh, let's take a quick break and we'll get back to uh, a little bit of the details about the trip itself. Sounds good. Commercial break number one. That's right. Do you have a calic that is unmanageable? Are you tired of paying five or ten cents on your hair products? <laughs> yes. Well, out with the old and in with the new. Try Taiwedian Common Sense Hair Products. It will leave your hair easy, greasy, and manageable. If your hair is short and long, no matter the style, you can't go wrong. The follicle features can't be beat. Taiwedian Hair Care is a treat. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about the actual trip itself. Um, this is a really interesting part. You were saying as uh, earlier uh, when you're talking about the plane, why they did it um, and why Will was going with them. Well, um, I just want to kind of give the listener um, and you, Jacob, a little background information. Oh, good. Yes, because I know you know nothing. So, <laughs> so uh, basically, they were going to start off... Um, they left San Francisco August 1st, um, and then they made their way down to Seattle. Um, they stayed in Seattle August 1st through the 7th. From there, they went to Juneau, Alaska. They spent two days there, August 7th through the 9th. And that's actually one of the last times he talked to Betty Rogers was on a Thursday, August the 8th. Okay. Um, she actually knew that he was in San Francisco, and then once they got to Juneau, they actually got to wire each other back and uh, talk to each other. And that was the last time. That they got to talk to each other on the ninth, on the eighth, on the eighth. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll actually mention a an interesting thing here. Um, so uh, while they were in Juneau um, on August eighth, they were actually staying there for uh, an extra day because of weather had kind of kept them there in the area. Okay, it gave him it gave Will Rogers a chance, and I think this is neat uh, to meet his old friend Rex Beach. Now, who is Rex, Rex Beach? You say? Well, he was an uh, an old uh, author who wrote a lot about the Alaskan um, frontier, uh, wrote a lot of novels, things like that. And some of them okay. were adapted into movies. Nice. Will Rogers' first movie, uh, Laughing Bill Hyde, was written by Rex Beach. Very nice tie-in there, Jake. It took him like an hour or two to put that together. <laughs> so. You know, um, I pulled one of uh, Will's articles, because at this time he was writing all the articles, um, as Rogers sees it. And um, I'll go ahead and read this through. It was August 12th, so at that time he would have been in Aklavik. Um, Alaska, and that was right after he left Dawson. He went from Juneau to Dawson to Aklavik, then Aklavik, Anchorage, Anchorage, Fairbanks to Point Barrow. Actually, Aklavik is in Canada. Ah, he he went. He wasn't just in um, Alaska territory this time. He would start. You know, he started in Seattle, went to Alaska, went back over to Canada. Okay, back over. He went. They were kind of going all over the place. Um, Aklavik, if that's how you say it, Northwest Territory, August twelfth. Was you ever driving around in a car and not know or knowing where you went? Well, that's what Wiley and I are doing. We sure having a great time. If we hear of whales or polar bears in the Arctic or a big herd of caribou or reindeer, we fly over and see it. Friday and Saturday, we visited the old Klondike District, Dawson City, Bonanza, El Dorado. Say, there's a horse here, the furthest north of any horse. And he eats fish and travels on snowshoes. So I thought that was pretty cool. 
he probably met that horse, you know, and talked to it in the only way Will Will Rogers could. So yeah, I wanted to mention that. I thought that was pretty cool. And you know, I think I think he was having the time of his life. I oh, mean, yeah. I really think he was. You know, from just reading the articles. Uh, seeing the photos, and you know, I I know he was having a great time. A true explorer pioneer of sure. all sorts, and you had another true explorer pioneer in Wiley Post, and those men were you know doing what they did best, and, right? Uh, making a new and making new things. Um, one interesting thing I wanted to bring up too was, um, and I always call him Joe Crouton, that his name is not what is it? Joe Crossan. Joe Crossan. Yeah. Joe Crossan was actually one of the, the best pilots, according to Will and Wiley, in Alaska. Yeah. Especially like one of the Alaskan bush pilots, like you, you hear about being famous for right. back in those days, being able to fly through all kinds of weather, being able to take you here and there. Those guys could fly in any type of weather. Well what was what is interesting is um Joe Crouton's um um <laughs> Or what was it again? Crossan. Joe, Joe Crossan. Okay, we're going to call it that. Joe Crossan. We'll just call him Crossan, even though that's not what I see. Um, his widow, um, actually, Joe Crossan, was actually asked to fly um, Wiley and Will. Um, and then he ended up saying he, he didn't want to. Um, and this was all discussed at their house um, one of the, the day before, August 15th. Um, oh, flying up to, to Barrow. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I'll get into that a little bit more. But um, Mr. Crouton Croson was quite the pilot, Crossan. But he um, <laughs> and and he actually, you know, on the speculation part, he talks about what he thinks, what he actually think happened to the plane. Um, no, because I mean, he was familiar with the area, sure, um, and he was very respectful of Will and Wiley's death to where he didn't want to say Wiley did something wrong, you know, without you right. know, actually knowing it. Yeah, so. and we'll get into that in a little bit. And one other thing, too, that I thought was interesting, uh, Bart, uh, you mentioned Joe Crossan. On August 14th, uh, the three of them did fly around for a little bit. Um, and they actually, what they did was they went to uh, Mount McKinley. Oh, and nice. They, they flew up Mount McKinley. And, uh, you know, so they, they did have a day where they, they kind of flew around together, which was actually. explore and see the, right. the area before it got nasty. Right, before, yeah. the day before they were uh, killed, actually. Gosh, that's so. interesting. Anyway. Well, let's uh, let's do a little, them a little favor because I know I'm tired of hearing you. Let's take a little uh, let's take a true commercial break this time. Come back and tell them a little bit about the crash. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Do you have somewhere to go and need to get there really fast? Why don't you get there by ways unsurpassed? Whether there's rain, snow, or sunshine, you would be smart to choose Taylorian Airlines. From Argentine to the Caroline, there's a new TWA in town. TWA, Taywedian Airlines. Back, 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 back. Thanks, Chris Berman. Yes. <laughs> okay, on this on this segment, what we're going to look at is the crash itself that killed uh, Will Rogers and Wiley Post. Um, so really, on that last day, August 15th of 1935, 80 years ago, right. um, they were heading from Fairbanks, Alaska, intending to go to Barrow, Alaska, okay, um, which is kind of a, a small town there near Point Barrow, uh, which is obviously the northernmost point of, uh, of um, Alaska, which it, is the American, the American continent of, of, uh, of that point. Okay. Um, obviously, Alaska wasn't a state at the time. Now, were they going to take from Point Barrow to Russia? What, they what were planning to stop. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of hard to say. I think... Uh, Will Rogers only intended, and he only told Betty, he was going to go to Alaska, and right. that was going to be Will Rogers' last stop. Okay. Wiley Post was going to go on into uh, 
into Russia, but you know, obviously that didn't happen. Right. Um, but you can kind of read between the lines, and you can. <laughs> I think he was trying to tell Betty that he was he might he, as as the as the trip went on, he kept saying you know a little bit more left a little bit more questions like oh well maybe i'll go on to it to russia or something like that you know in some of the telegrams he sent and uh so you you, you wasn't really sure if he he had only planned to go up to to barrow that was going to be a stop right okay but anyway as they were flying in to barrow um that time of year in august in alaska there is a big problem with fog um and that's exactly what happened um uh, with with Will and Wiley as they were as Will uh, Wiley was flying in you know the ground they they could see they were above the clouds obviously they could see where they were flying right. that wasn't the issue it's they couldn't see where to land right because you just look down and you see kind of just a sea of you know the fog that's a- oh, around that the ground had to be, that had to be very stressful I mean um, you know one one part of the speculation I wanted to bring up is uh, someone said that. You know, when they did land before they took off at Point Barrow again, that you know the engine itself could have gotten so cold that it could have froze, you know, froze up a little bit, um, and that also goes back to the fuel pr- problem, like you were saying earlier too. Yeah, I, I don't really think that. I don't think there's enough evidence one way or the other to say it was this or it was that. Right. Um, people can speculate all day long, all but day. until you have facts to support it, you know, you just can't. Right. Um, what happened was, you know, they kind of knew the general idea of where Barrel was. And what, and what you know, any pilot would do is you just kind of start flying in, uh, you know, small circles and you just widen your circle um, until you find something that, some sort of marking on the ground, some landmark that you can get an idea of where you are. Right. And that's what they were doing. And, in fact... Um, so they were circling around? Right. They okay. were kind of circling, just trying to find some place to land, somewhere to get their bearings. And a lot of people that were in that area described just that. They they Seeing said it flying around. They okay. seen as they saw or heard a plane flying in circles. Um, That's pretty eerie if you think about it. Just looking back and knowing yeah. what happened, yeah. And um, what they actually did, and before I started working here, I didn't really quite grasp the details of what actually happened, um, and I didn't realize this until I started working here. They actually found a place to land. They found a small lagoon. Right. Um, Wallachpa Lagoon, um, which is just west of where Barrow is okay. by about 15 miles. Was that close to where the natives that actually saw the plane go they down? Were, they, they were, were the, camped there? They were camped there, okay. yes. Um, a family of uh, natives were there. Um, it was kind of a... And that was they had a, kind a, of the first responders that were, showed up? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, they, In fact, you know, they saw this lagoon a place to land and they saw people down there so they're like well just stop and ask for directions that's <laughs> just like you would literally what they were doing <laughs> uh so you know they landed on the on the lake the lagoon there and um they had you know a few minutes to get out stretch their legs and there was no problems walk around they didn't it didn't seem like there was a okay. problem at all um they found out okay it's just about 15 miles to the east great you know we can take off and and get there no no real problem uh so they and the, here's where the problem, here's where the problem started. They, the way it was described to me, and that I, I've heard a lot of people um, talk about this, and you know, have a lot of different uh, 
a lot of different ideas as to how it happened. Some people say he was way, they were way far up in the air, like they took a real steep ascent. Right, a climbing that, turn. Right, but that's not quite the way that I think makes the most sense, just giving right. the way that the plane was, uh, the wreckage was, the wing had been sheared off, things like that. So what happened is they, they took off, and they were, it was just a real quick ascent, not like they were going up real steep, right. climbing altitude real quick. They just took off and were... The, from the lagoon, correct? From the lagoon. They were kind of taxiing down, and they were taking off, and they were tr- going to make a quick bank to the right, okay. heading back to the east. As they were banking to the right, and so essentially the right wing of the plane was kind of head, you know, facing, pointing towards the, towards the, uh, the lagoon... For some reason, the engine stalled. Okay. And so I, from what it was described, it was about, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100 feet up in the air. Right. But just the fa- fact that they were going so fast. And the natives heard the, the pop of the engine, correct? It sounded like a shotgun that went off. Okay. So they, they knew something was wrong. Something happened. Right off the bat. Okay. And the plane fell quickly. It didn't tumble or anything. It just lost altitude. And that right wing landed in in the lake first and flipped them over nose first into the into the lake okay killing them both on in, impact instantly right um and that was kind of how it happened yeah there's a lot of speculation as to how it happened like why the engine died yeah there's a, there, there's a couple things and really the only thing that you know I care mentioning was uh, Joe Crouton Croson um, quoted post you know as saying under no circumstance like I said earlier would he fly Rogers and himself through that kind of fog or a fog bank and do that kind of turning you know it's just yeah. beyond Wiley Post is what he was trying to say. Dr. Greist the um, the physician that was there at Barrow actually described Wiley Post I'm sorry um, Charles Lindbergh almost had the same problem several years before he was flying in around uh, wow. in August and was really afraid because he got lost himself, lost in the fog, but he ended up making it safe. Anyway, um, we're going to hear a little bit of an interview from uh, from actually uh, Dr. Henry Greist, who was the doctor on site um, at Barrow, uh, describing what he saw um, and what he found okay. um, at the crash. So just listen to that real quick, and we'll get back in just a minute. Uh, it was rumored to us by radio that Will Rogers and Wally Post were at Fairbanks and that they proposed to come on to Point Vera. It concerned us greatly. So fearful were we because of the intense fogs. We warned them every hour. Well, we want to talk a little bit about the aftermath, Jacob. Um, Obviously, Will Rogers was such a big deal to the country. Yeah. Meant a lot. Uh, one of the greatest humorists of our time, comedians. Uh, uh, he just was a great man. Uh, there will never be another man like Will Rogers. And some of these uh, things that I'm going to show you, some of the people, his friends that reacted, uh, just the country and internationally as well, people loved Will Rogers. Yeah. And what I wanted to do before I got into the papers, um, some of the papers that carried some of the news uh, of the crash. I wanted to read a little quote by Cecil B. DeMille. And some of you guys might know that name as, you know, uh, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. You know, so. <laughs> I, and I wanted to say that for like five <laughs> or six. I've been waiting for ten minutes to say that. So. <laughs> and he said something really appropriate. And me and Jacob were wanting to put this on the wall somewhere. This yeah. is just one of those things. A great line. We may raise funds for memorial, but he 
himself erected a greater monument than we ever can build. An abiding place in the hearts of the American people. And that is so appropriate. Um, not only like I was telling you, yeah, everyone loved this man. Um, he didn't really trash anybody with his humor or anything. So it was, he, was, he was universally loved. So in the papers, uh, the reason I bring that up, in the papers, uh, everyone covered it. The St. Louis Star, the Stockton Record, um, the Claremore Progress. Um, sure. You yeah. know, it was um, the New York Post, Wisconsin News. They all had major headlines. Crash kills Rogers and Post. Will Rogers Wiley Post killed an airplane crash. All over the world. Headlines. Headlines. This wasn't just uh, back page news of some random movie star dying. I know. Even though that's not something to be joked about, this was a major, major deal. Along the lines of when Abraham Lincoln was killed. Yeah, and I think that Will Rogers dying, um, it wasn't, it, I think a lot of the reaction to him passing away really describes a lot about how he wasn't just an actor. Right. I mean, people cared about him yes. in, in ways that, you know, weren't exactly equivalent to just an actor. Right, exactly. Um, it wasn't just like, uh, you know, Chris Pratt, you know. I mean, although I would lose <laughs> my stuff if Chris Pratt died. Bart calls in sick for two days Oh, at least two weeks. Um, Jurassic Park meant a lot to me. So. <laughs> I wanted to mention um, W.C. Cates, the longtime editor and friend of Will Rogers, uh, the editor of The Progress back when Will Rogers died. Um, he actually... Um, W.C. Cates put out thousands of copies of the extra. The extra would obviously be an extra piece of the extra edition, uh -huh. um, not part of the paper. He printed thousands of thousands of copies of this because everybody wanted it. Um, mm -hmm. The Will Rogers and Wiley Post killed uh, extra. But what was interesting is people from all over the United States and the world were looking towards the Claremore Progress and specifically W.C. Cates to give them information on Will, that insight that only someone from Claremore that knows and is friends with Will could give. So I, I think it's really neat. He was asked by the New York Post to write 5,000 words mm. about, the, about the crash. And he, he, he commented um, that this might be the first time, probably the only time in his life, that he would be writing feature copy for one of the world's largest newspapers. Yeah. And think of why, why it was. Um, I just I thought that was a really neat thing to bring up. Well. When his funeral happened, um, well, actually there were several um, memorializing events for Will Rogers and Wiley Post. Yeah. Um, one specifically I wanted to bring up was August 22nd. Um, and some of the people that actually came to one of his memorial services there. Um, notables, um, we could go on. There's a huge list. It's Walt Disney, Amelia Earhart, Clark Gable, Mary Pickford. Fred Stone, mm -hmm. uh, Samuel Goldwyn, yeah. all these big names in the 1920s and 30s were showing up to support Will Rogers, the man. Not the actor, not the comedian, the man. Yeah. Um, and what he represented. Um, I, and, you know, I wanted to close with kind of the way to communicate back in the day. You know, today someone would die and the condolences might be a text or an email, um, not really personable. Um, and but back then, what using a Western Union was the way to go. Right. And I wanted to close with a few of these Western Union things, and then you can tell about our FDR, um, a little qu closing quote there. But I wanted to read a couple of these Western Unions that were sent to Betty on behalf of Will Rogers' uh, death. If there is anything I can do, do me an honor of letting me send and service possible, any service possible. And that came from W.C. Fields, mm. which is very interesting. You have my deepest sympathy in your great loss, as well as the entire world. 
that was Bill Robinson, a.k.a. also known as Bojangles. Mm. And Bojangles starred in, um, in old Kentucky with uh, Will Rogers uh, doing the dance scene, of course. One of the famous dance scenes that, that Will was in. Another one I wanted to read, and this is uh, one of his old former girlfriends, uh, Lucille Mulhall, oh. uh, said, one of my best friends, um, and just left it at that. Um, and the last one I'll leave, and then you can, you can do your thing. Um, your sorrow is universal. We all share it with you. I have lost a dear friend, Charlie Chaplin. Mm. So. There were those telegrams from all sorts of people. You mentioned, you know, folks from Hollywood. F, uh, FDR sent one. Um, the Astor family. Just people from all over the world. Uh, and we're going to leave you with a little bit of a, uh, a clip here from uh, a, bro- a radio broadcast from uh, Franklin Roosevelt. Um, that was actually for the dedication of this Will Rogers Memorial Museum that was dedicated in 1938. So take a listen, and we'll be right back. The President of the United States. Friends of Will Rogers, this afternoon we pay grateful homage to the memory of a man who helped the nation to smile. And after all, I doubt if there is among us a more useful citizen than the one who holds the secret of banishing gloom, of making tears give way to laughter, of supplanting desolation and despair with hope and courage. For hope and courage always go with a light heart. There was something infectious about Will Rogers' humor. His appeal went straight to the heart of the nation. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in and listening to our uh, program um, thanks for everybody that downloads and listens to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, thanks to RSU Radio for uh, wow. broadcasting this for us. Thanks, guys. Um, all of this is uh, made possible by the Will Rogers Memorial Commission and the Will Rogers Memorial Foundation. Um, this episode is uh, produced and written by Jacob Crumwitty and Bart Taylor. Oh, yeah. And a special thanks, of course, to the Move Trio for the music throughout. Not bad, guys. That's right. And, uh, of course, the sources we used is the Papers of Will Rogers, Volume 5, uh, Will Rogers, uh, Biographies by Ben Yagoda and Betty Rogers, and, um, and Death of Barrow uh, by Brian, Sterling, Brian and Francis Sterling. Yeah, what a great book. Well, guys, um, episode 21 in the books. This episode was a little bit more, um, you know, I guess a little bit more serious as it has serious content in it and uh, dealt with the, the death of Wiley Post and Will Rogers. But we felt like we needed to tell that story. There's a great story to it. Um, the death of one of our greatest uh, men and humorists this country ever produced and will produce. So I guess that'll do it. That's it. Thanks so much, guys, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.